It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. A few months ago, I got a speeding ticket that gave me a ton of anxiety. And I mentioned this in a previous episode because this was on part of my cross-country road trip. I was in Washington State when this happened, and I was going, I think, around 64 miles per hour in an area that I thought was 55 as a speed limit. Generally, I'm someone who drives about nine miles over the speed limit. I always try to go under 10 miles because I was taught that you probably wouldn't get pulled over for a speeding ticket if it was under 10 miles per hour. So that's been my practice. And I've driven all around the United States. I had one speeding ticket in 2012. And back then, I remember I was also on a cross-country trip. It was in some state I'd never been to. I was on my way to Chicago on 4th of July, and I guess there were some speed traps out because of the holiday. And I just paid the ticket and moved on with my life. I remember it being really frustrating because it was a lot of money, but I didn't think much of it. Well, things were different this year in August 2022 because as soon as the officer... Well, first of all, I felt all this anxiety around just being in the presence of a police officer over time, that anxiety is really built for me. I don't know if it's concerns about social justice and just hearing about some really awful things that happen with police officers. I think it also could be my fear of making a mistake, paying the consequences, thinking that I could get away with something. I don't know. There was just a lot of emotions that came up for me. And to clarify, because I carried around this idea about what speeding was, that's why I thought I could, quote, get away with it. It was because I didn't think it was a big deal to go nine miles over the speed limit. What turned out to be the big deal is that I missed the sign that said the speed limit had changed from 55 to 45 miles per hour. So when I got pulled over, that was explained to me as the problem. And when I saw that ticket in the officer's hand and took it from him, read it, I noticed the line that said that it was going to increase my insurance because at first I thought, well, I deserve this ticket. I didn't realize I was now going, wait, 19 miles over the speed limit of 45. So that made sense to me that I should get a ticket from it for it. Although I did ask the officer if he would let me go with a warning and he said no. The biggest emotional hurdle for me was seeing the line about how that ticket was going to go on my record. That's when I panicked. That's when I thought, this is really bad. I actually even called the officer back. He'd walked back to his car and I said, hey, (laughs) I really don't want this to go on my record. Is there anything that you can do to avoid that? And he said, no. Then I thought, well, I'm in a different state. So maybe the point won't go on my record in California. I did a little research and found out that's not true. California is one of the states where they will put the point on even if you're driving somewhere else. Then I thought maybe I can do traffic school because if you do that, a lot of states will take the record, the point off or not send it to your insurance. Found out that at least in that part of Washington that I was in, they don't give you traffic school. I guess ask for it if you go to court. So I realized that my only option, well, I had two options. One was to pay the ticket and wait and see what happened with my insurance. I even called my insurance to ask them how much it would cost, how much my premium would go up. And they said they couldn't tell me because it was some sort of algorithm. Things just kept feeling worse and worse. And it was a big bummer. But I knew there was the option to go to court. And that's what this episode is going to be about. My process contesting my speeding ticket. And I want to share this because 
It caused me so much stress. It took a ton of time and effort. I had so much anxiety from all of this. It really impacted my well-being. And I want to share it with transparency of exactly what that experience was like to just get that speeding ticket, as I mentioned, but also to contest it for you in case you end up going through this, somebody else goes through this, and you feel like you don't know what to do. Because that was part of distress for me was this moment of deep loneliness. I was driving by myself. I was in an area I had never been to. So I was just kind of out of my comfort zone. It gave me flashbacks to times this had happened before in my life. I think my very first ticket ever was when I had recently gotten my driver's license. And I did like a maneuver with my car I wasn't supposed to. It was so stupid, relatively, for things that you can get pulled over for. (laughs) I think I like turned onto some street and then did a little U-turn. It was at night and there was no one around. Like I didn't think it was a big deal, but there happened to be a cop there and they saw me. And I actually went to court for that ticket with my mom and they dismissed it. Unfortunately, though, that gave me this mentality that oh, I guess if you apologize and explain that you made a mistake, you'll not get away with it, but a judge will understand. (laughs) Well, my second ticket did not turn out to be that way. First of all, that first ticket I just talked about was in Massachusetts in a small town. So maybe the court works differently (laughs) than I'm sure it does because every court I found out works a little bit differently. I think it was my second ticket that was traumatic for me because I was in Los Angeles. I had just moved out here. I was going to the doctor and I didn't know where anything was in town. I was super overwhelmed. And I took a wrong turn, ended up on this little side street, and I went to get back onto the main road. And I think there was a light or a stop sign. I went up and turned left, but... I turned in front of another car that was across the street. And I remember in that moment thinking, this is okay to do. Like I thought the person in the car across the street was letting me go in front of them. That's how I interpreted it in that moment. But what I did turned out to have been illegal. And there happened to be a cop there. So I got pulled over. And talk about a trauma response. This is where it's interesting to examine like how we get triggered what feels really intense for us and overwhelming. I remember just starting to cry in front of this officer. He could have cared less. He gave me a ticket. And somehow, for some reason, I decided to go to court for this. Maybe it was because my previous experience. Well, I went to court and it was very unlike the experience I had in Massachusetts because in Massachusetts, I went into like a private room with a judge. I don't know if it was because of my age or where I was, what the situation was. For some reason, we were in like this tiny room, just me and my mom and the judge, and it felt safe. I had a rude awakening when I went into the courtroom in Los Angeles. I think it was in Burbank, for those that might know the area. It was really far away from where I was working, by the way. My doctor's appointment was in Burbank. By the time the court case came around, I was all the way on the other side of the city, like an hour away. I had to take a half a day off of my first job. They didn't love that. It was a horrible job, by the way. And I remember like just asking for some time to go to court was a big deal. I might have even taken the whole day off. So anyways, I get to the courthouse and I had to contest my case in like a courtroom with all of these strangers. And I remember the officer got up and wrote on a whiteboard a diagram of what happened. And I'm sitting there in complete panic, in shame, not knowing what to do, feeling unprepared, terrified. And I stood up and started immediately crying in front of the judge, the officer, and the whole courtroom. I will never forget that moment. So I think that caused trauma within me, all that fear and shame and sadness and helplessness. I explained my case. I have learned as an adult that there are specific things that you want to say and not say in these cases. I had complete ignorance back then. So I was just like basically begging for forgiveness and saying like this was an innocent mistake. I was going to the doctor. 
I thought the person was letting me turn, right? That's basically what I said. And the officer was like, that's not acceptable. And then I said, well, I just moved to Los Angeles. I don't know what I'm doing yet. And he was like, you need to learn all the rules of this road. I mean, it was like being punished by parents or teachers, also things that bring me trauma or bring up traumatic memories. I remember I went to the window and I had to pay my ticket. And also back then, like paying for a traffic violation is expensive. And back then, just I didn't have a lot of money. I mean, all of that is trauma too. The financial ramifications, awful. At one point, I did traffic school. I don't remember when that was. It might have been after that experience, but I don't know if it was. It might have been after my first speeding ticket, which was, as I mentioned, when I was driving cross country. I don't know. At one point, I did traffic school to get it off my record. Well, since then, I think I might have been pulled over one other time. So this specific incident I'm going to spend most of this episode on today was probably my fifth time ever getting pulled over. I guess not that much, but I don't know the statistics. I am going to share some statistics with you today about speeding tickets that I found really interesting, but I don't know how common it is for people to get pulled over. It just hasn't happened that much to me. Before continuing this episode, I'm going to pause for a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, Zencaster, who has been sponsoring this show for the last few months. And this is the tool that I use to record this episode in this moment. At least as I'm recording, I'm on Zencaster. So if you've ever been curious about the behind the scenes, if you're thinking about starting your own show, this is the number one tool that I recommend. And there are a number of reasons for it. You may have heard from past episodes. I love how simple it is for the most part to just jump on here. Now, now I will say that for the most part, it's not always simple because technical challenges can happen. But the reason that I have sticked or stuck with Zencaster for years now, since March 2020, is because of their commitment to high-level customer service. Every once in a while, I run into some issues with it, and they have a little chat box at the bottom corner of the page when you open it up because it's through a web browser. So just like any other website, there can be chat features. And in Zencaster, you click this little button and you type in a question and they get back to me so quickly. It's impressive. They will give me troubleshooting steps right away. If for some reason there's a lag in communication from them, they have a fantastic troubleshooting page, a support page on their websites, really helpful. And I've learned how to troubleshoot most of these things over time because of their customer service and because of their website. And they just keep getting better. They keep making it simpler. They're also committed to solving problems as quickly as possible. For instance, I ran into a technical glitch. I reported it to them. Turns out there was something going on for a number of users on the platform. They got in touch with their dev team and they worked it out, emailed me back. I love how they follow up. They don't just like drop the ball they actually come back around to support you. And that means a lot to me. That has kept me committed. And that just has this overall professional experience that improves the quality for me and other people, like perhaps yourself, if you're a podcaster or thinking about starting your own show. And if you're leaning into that, you can use my code WellEvatorZen at Zencaster.com slash pricing to receive a 30% off discount on your first three months of Zencaster Professional, which is awesome. I'm not going to get into all the features. Just go to Zencaster.com to check it out yourself. It's linked in the description. It's linked in the show notes. And again, my code is WellEvatorZen. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R-Z-E-N to get that 30% off discount to have the same experiences that I have with my podcasting, my content. I We'll say this time and time again, it is time to tell your story, and I hope you try out Zencaster to do that. Now back to the episode. And so I remember with this incident in August, just that awful sinking feeling of seeing lights behind your car. I was driving on this, I think it was a two-lane highway on my way to Olympic National Park in Washington, which was amazing. Would have been much better had this incident never happened. I think I mentioned this in the episode where I first spoke about the speeding incident. 
I had just gotten off the ferry in Washington. It was a beautiful day. I went and charged my car and then headed out on the road to go to some grocery store to pick up some snacks and food for dinner. So I was just like happy. And that's probably why I missed the speed limit change. And I was in the left-hand lane, I think trying to pass somebody, which probably didn't work in my favor. But what I do distinctly remember is I was going with the flow of traffic. Nobody was going 45 miles per hour, whatever it was. Like maybe some people in the right lane were going like, I don't know, 55, 60. Like I felt like I might've been going a few miles over everyone else. That was part of the frustrating experience is that I definitely in the left-hand lane was going with the flow of everybody else in that lane. What I come to learn about speeding tickets is when there's speed traps, a lot of times you're just the person they happen to catch. It doesn't mean that you were the only one doing something like that. It just means that you were the unlucky one. And that like really triggered my sense of justice. I just felt like, wow, it's so unfair. Like, first of all, that the speed limit changed. I later found out it kept fluctuating in that area. And so the cops probably parked their cars right where the speed limit changes so they can catch people. It was a Friday, like it was summer. And I feel like maybe people are like me, just kind of enjoying the day and not paying close attention. One thing I really regret, the first piece of advice I will give you today is that Waze, the app Waze, W-A-Z-E, is so helpful in these situations because people can mark when they see cops and it works incredibly well. I was not using Waze in that moment. I was just using my car's GPS. Just to paint the picture here, my car has a big GPS screen within it. That's great for the most part, but it doesn't have the features like letting you know when there's a cop or sometimes it doesn't tell my GPS in the car doesn't tell me when there's construction or bad traffic or whatever. I'll usually have ways set up in addition just to alert me of extra things that ways does really well. Well, in that time when I was driving that day, I didn't have ways on because I just like felt like it was useless. I felt like I knew where I was going and I did not expect whatsoever to encounter a cop. Had I had ways on, it probably would have alerted me so I could have paid more attention to the speed limit and slowed down. So that's great. I've also in the past used the radar detectors, not to like, what's the term? Not to like cheat the system or anything, but it's simply for someone like me who might have just not been paying attention because I was going with the flow of traffic. And I'm not trying to make excuses for myself, but I'm looking at the kind of psychology of how people drive. And I've noticed this a lot through my journeys around the country, that even when I'm going nine miles over the speed limit, that's often slow. A great majority of highways throughout the United States, people are going 15, 20 miles over the speed limit on average. And that was part of my frustration with getting pulled over. It was just like, wow. So the cops just sit there and they know this about driving behavior and they just randomly pull people over. Why? For an example, or is it to make money? That's what I'm going to get into today because I wanted to understand this. Like the way my brain works is if something happens to me or to someone else that's traumatizing, upsetting, frustrating, or feels unfair, I have this deep desire to understand why that happened. So as I mentioned, I did all this research and I recommend if you're in this situation, and that's why you're listening to this episode right now, let me explain some things. Is first of all, if let's talk about preventative measures. Number one, ways can be really helpful. If there are other apps like that you know of and you want to share, please let me know and I will put it in the show notes or leave it in a comment somewhere where everybody can see it because it'd be useful to know other tools. The radar detectors, I haven't used them in a long time. The only time I've used those was when I used to drive between Los Angeles and San Francisco, there were a ton of speed traps. So I got them just to keep me alert. It was like I would hear the beeping of the radar and I'd go, oh yeah, let me check my speed. Make sure if I'm going with the flow of traffic, that is within a reasonable limit. And that came in handy. I also use it on one of my cross-country trips, but uh, it doesn't always work perfectly. And it can be expensive for the radar detector. 
in hindsight, probably not worth it because of the developments that have happened with apps like Waze. Speeding ticket, I'm going to share some really helpful things I learned that could offset the financial cost. But it is something to consider. If And you also have to check to see if the radar detector is legal in A, the area that you live and drive in, but also where else you're traveling. Like when I was going around the country, it felt a little bit nerve wracking because every area has different rules. So that's part of what makes this all very complicated when you're somewhere unfamiliar. So what would happen if you get into these a speeding ticket like I did? Well, fortunately, you can contest it. Now, there are, I think, three different options, at least on the ticket I got in Washington. It seems to be pretty common. And let me pull up my ticket so I can read them off verbatim. My ticket, three options were one, enclose a check or money order to the amount listed on there, the penalty amount. Okay. And, oh, it had somewhere around that was where it said that this would go on my record here. I mean, there's notes about how if you, the penalty can be increased if you fail to pay, they might bring your case to a collection agency. You can lose your driver's license. There's like so many scary things on here. But somewhere else around this, because I initially was just going to pay it. I saw the amount and I'm like, well, they caught me. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? But there was, I'll probably find it while I continue reading. So anyways, number one, option number one is to just pay the amount. Oh, that's it says it right here. I understand this will go on my driving record if it's a traffic violation, because there's different types, by the way. And this is why I wanted to share this, because like I learned so much about traffic tickets. There's three different types of infractions according to this ticket. One is a traffic ticket, as I got. One is a non-traffic ticket. And one is a parking ticket. Since I got the traffic ticket, according to this piece of paper, it said it would go in my driving record. And that's where my heart sank. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I looked it up because my insurance wouldn't tell me how much they were going to raise it until it got renewed. And by the way, that's due to all different factors. Like it, the factors like how old you are, where you live, your history, the car you're driving, like all of this is so complex. It's not an easy thing to navigate. So I went online and just tried to get an estimate. And from what I read, that ticket would not only cost you the penalty price, but insurance hikes of upwards of hundreds of dollars either per year or total. And it's on your record for three years, at least in the state of California. And I'm thinking, whoa, like the unknown. What if this cost me like 800 to $1,000 just because I got caught going with the flow of traffic, driving faster than the speed limit? I mean, it just felt outrageous. The second option on the ticket is a mitigation hearing. And on the ticket that's described as agreeing that you've committed the infraction, but want a hearing to explain the circumstances. You would have to do a court date and appear on that date. You can bring a witness with you. And even if you ask for a mitigation, it'll still go on your driver's record. And I thought, great. So that doesn't sound good. Plus, the part of Washington I was in was like towards the top of Washington, the very top of the United States, and I live towards the bottom of the United States in Los Angeles. And I'm thinking the money it would cost me to go all the way up there to fight this ticket, the time it would take, the stress involved. And then if I'm mitigating it, acknowledging that I committed this, then it's still going on my record. What's even the point? I guess from my research afterwards, a mitigation can sometimes reduce the final or the penalty and sometimes if you do a hearing, the judge will allow you to do traffic school, even if you can't, like, I guess you have to get permission from a judge to do traffic school in certain parts of the country. Now, the third option is the one I ended up going with. And this is a contested hearing because I wanted to challenge the infraction. It does say here on the ticket, I did not commit infraction. That was frustrating because I guess I wasn't 100% sure because I wasn't fully looking at the speed I was going. but. It sounded reasonable. Like I was like, I probably was going what the officer said I was going. But the probably, I guess, put you in that middle zone, that vague zone. I still don't like to lie. 
But he didn't show me any proof. There was no, really no way for me to 100% know that I was going the speed limit that he said it was going, right? I mean, and it is common, or I guess not common. It happens where the officer will accuse you of something that you won't be doing. Anyways, the contested hearing, you ask for a court date. You promise to appear on that date. The state will provide evidence that you committed the infraction. You can subpoena witnesses, including the officer. And then it will only go on your record if you lose the case. And that's where I decided to do it. That's where I thought, I just want to see what's going to happen here. Before I go into my specific case, I want to share some statistics with you that made me feel like contesting the ticket was the best choice for me. According to some of my research, which I can cite in the show notes if you want to go check any of this out, and I'm reading verbatim from somewhere I didn't mark down, but I'll go and find the source later if you'd like to know. 42 million speeding tickets are issued in the United States on a yearly basis. That is 36% of drivers assuming one speeding ticket per driver. In reality, 20.6% of drivers average a speeding ticket per year. Each day, over 112, 328, wait, did I say that right? 112,328 speeding tickets are cited from municipal police officers, sheriff deputies, and highway patrol troopers. Those numbers are huge looking at them. I mean, 42 million speeding tickets a year in the United States, okay? An average of 112,000 people are cited with a traffic ticket each and every day, which means that every second someone in the United States is being issued a ticket for a traffic violation. This is exactly why I'm making this episode. It's very likely that you or someone you know will get a ticket or already have. I'm sure you know somebody if you haven't had one directly, right? This is such a common experience. And yet I felt so ignorant about a lot of this. You have around a 20% chance of getting a citation yourself. Drivers have a roughly one in six shot at getting nabbed for speeding. This is from creditdonkey.com. <laughs> Some random site as I was doing this research. But what makes this a bit frustrating is A, like, okay, it's common. So sometimes that makes you feel better if you know it's common, but also that could make you feel afraid, right? Like, do you have to drive exactly the speed limit? Technically, if you went a mile over the speed limit, you could get pulled over and cited for that. That nine miles over the speed limit myth that I've heard does not really protect you. I could have still been pulled over, right? Like, so much. Actually, the officer, when I asked him if he would let me go with a warning, because by the way, the warning would have worked just as well as the ticket for me because the fear I had from being pulled over, like, I would not have gone fast. Well, I guess I probably still would have done up to nine miles per hour, to be honest. But like I was definitely for the rest of the trip, not going 10 miles over or more. Like no way. was not going to risk it. So warning, I think is just an effective, right? But the officer did say that he would reduce my ticket and say that I was only going 10 miles over the speed limit. And that's nuts. Like the penalty was still high. It was $128 for going 10 miles over the speeding limit and going on my record, right? Like that's, so he reduced it and still that had a, could have a huge financial ripple effect on me. Now that's the financial side of this is also really interesting to me because speeding tickets generate the United States anywhere from $3.8 billion to $5.4 billion a year in revenue billions of dollars because one in six people or 20% of people, according depending on what site you go to, are getting ticketed. It's just a matter of time for many of us, unless you're incredibly careful using tools like Waze, Radar Detector, or driving really slowly. And I want to note, by the way, that sometimes driving the speed limit feels unsettling or dangerous. Like I mentioned, driving all around the country on these cross-country trips, once I became paranoid about getting another speed ticket, I noticed how fast people were going around me and I would have to be in the right-hand lane, which sometimes didn't make sense for the directions and the turns and all that stuff. So I often like to be in the middle lane if there's three or more lanes on a highway. But certain parts of the country, if you're in the middle lane going the speed limit, 
People are zipping around you so fast. Some people come right up and are right on your tail, like right behind you, trying to intimidate you to go faster. Then they'll zip around you. I mean, like the chance of an accident sometimes increases when you're going the speed limit. Now, now I'm just guessing, but it felt like that to me. So a lot of times I was feeling anxious because I was trying to abide by the speed limit but yet felt pressured by other drivers and sometimes in the line of danger because I was trying to follow the rules. So in other words, it felt safer for me to go with the flow of traffic and go over the speed limit, but yet that still put me in a position of getting a ticket. No wonder these numbers are so high, right? The rules don't make full sense. And I think for me, as someone who's neurodivergent, I have a tendency to want to follow the rules But also, if the rules don't make sense, I get incredibly frustrated because then I don't know what to do. Because if there are rules in place and and then everybody's just kind of either following the rule or making up their own rules, how do you decide what to do yourself? This irritates me so much. Okay, going back to some of the stats, governments in city, county, or states collect $6.2 billion in revenue from speeding tickets every year. This is a different statistic from the previous one, right? So some say say 3.8 billion to 5.4 and others say 6.2 billion dollars so maybe this is an updated stat when cities finances are low traffic ticket issues go up the state usually counts on drivers choosing not to contest their tickets and simply pay the fines and since i was looking at things relative to washington where i got a ticket i found the stat that in the year 2017 washington state generated 104 million dollars over 1.5 the number is kind of written out weird 1.5 million dollars from various traffic infraction fines so that was 5 years ago just in Washington state speeding is a cause in nearly 30% of all wrongful death auto accident collisions and let's see and accounted for 28% of all fatal crashes in 2014 so i understand why speeding is dangerous right but I think we could use a big revitalization or a big change to our rules because I would like to know how many accidents happen. Maybe, I mean, of that statistic, wouldn't it be interesting to know, yes, speeding was involved, but was that because somebody was speeding around somebody who was following the limit? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like speeding in general is bad. It's got to do with all these different factors. And that's the other thing with driving in all of this 8,000 plus miles that I did just in the last few months, like there are just so many factors involved. So to say that speeding is downright bad, that going over the speed limit is bad because it leads to wrongful death. Like the fact that everybody is kind of driving based on their own comfort level, following their own compass of how they want to play by the rules. I think that in itself is the issue. And the fact that every state, city, county, I mean, these are all different rules and different consequences. It just makes driving feel incredibly complicated. Okay. So I want to share with you the outcome of my ticket and how I handled this. Before I do, lastly, I will say that only 13% of people in Washington state who are cited with a traffic infraction chose or choose to fight their ticket in courts. So I was in a small percentage of people, which made me think, huh, are these tickets given out because speeding is dangerous or are these tickets given out because most people pay the ticket without fighting it and it makes the state a lot of money? I did not feel like I was doing anything dangerous because I was going with the flow of traffic and being relatively mindful. Yes, I did notice that the speed limit reduced. That is on me but I was very mindful of my surroundings. I try to drive with a lot of caution and awareness and generally going with the flow of traffic feels safe to me. And I didn't want to just give the state money. So it felt good for me to contest it. Well, I had to decide how I was going to do that. Number one was to go contest it myself. And I thought about it, but as I mentioned, driving back to Washington State where I wasn't planning to go, to show up in court by myself and use information I found from the internet or friends didn't feel like the best use of my time and probably would not result in a great situation. You can look up online all sorts of resources that share how to contest a ticket. 
But along with that comes a lot of information about how those standard things that you could say in court probably won't work. The best thing to do is to get a lawyer. I have never hired a lawyer before, so I felt really unsure what to do. But I have seen the signs on billboards that show like, hey, did you get a ticket today? I'll help you fight your case. And it has like some number. It's kind of like a better call Saul type of thing. Have you ever seen those before? They're all over if you pay attention. And I ignore them because I haven't gotten that many tickets and I've never wanted to fight one before. But now I wish I had seen one of those signs that day when I was driving because I probably would have called right away. Well, I didn't decide to contest my ticket until weeks later after I left. So I went online and looked up local lawyers and started contacting them. I started with all the lawyers that had online forms that you could fill out so I could email back and forth with them. But most lawyers I found out are kind of old school and you have to give them a call. So I spoke to at least four, maybe five lawyers between calling and emailing. They were all very nice. So I'm thrilled to share with you that despite people maybe being nervous around lawyers, I felt much more comfortable talking to a lawyer than I did the officer that gave me the speeding ticket. There wasn't fear there. They were very kind and straightforward to me. And what was interesting is that most of these lawyers specialize in this or have a ton of experience in it amongst other things they do in their practice. And they were all like, okay, cool. Send me your ticket. Here's what my rate is. And once you pay me, I will send in my paperwork to the court, get the court date and go in on your behalf and let you know what happens. You don't have to show up with the lawyer. And you really don't even have to tell them anything. One innocent mistake I made was when I was emailing the lawyers, the first few that I contacted, I told them like all the details. And I was like, hey, like this is what I got ticketed for. I don't think I was actually, it's funny looking back. My words were, I don't believe I was speeding. Hindsight, it's kind of funny. Like now that I'm out of the months out of the situation, I'm like, yeah, I was probably speeding. But at the time, I think I was in like this defensive mode. I didn't want to admit it. So I like told them all these details and all of that. One thing I did was check my ticket for inaccuracies because there's like a myth that if the officer writes down your name wrong and they misspell it or they put the wrong address, like that in itself can get your case dismissed. I don't know if that's true. There was one inaccuracy on my ticket though. They marked it as me having a commercial driver's license, which actually could have been a huge issue because I don't believe you can contest a ticket. There's some rule around it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it. But if you have a commercial driver's license, you have to play by kind of different rules. Well, the officer marked me down as having one because in Los Angeles, we have different driver's licenses. And mine had like a C on it. And he thought that meant I had a commercial driver's license. I don't know. something. It was like a class C license in Los Angeles or California means something different than it does in Washington. So technically, there was an inaccuracy. I don't know if that would have helped me or not. And what's interesting is if you hire a lawyer, you really don't get involved. You just give them a copy of your ticket. They send information and they do everything for you. You don't even know what they're doing unless you ask a ton of questions. And all the lawyers were so laid back about that. They're like, okay, cool. And they feel really confident. In fact, multiple websites from lawyers say that they have 80, 85 to 90, 95% success rate, which I found really interesting. Given that speeding tickets are so common and the states make so much money off of them, why is it that lawyers have a high success rate of getting the ticket dismissed? I still don't have the answer to that. If you let me know, because I'm fascinated by all this. Well, after calling around, after getting different quotes, one, they were anywhere from like, I think maybe $300 to one guy wanted to charge me $700 to go in for me, which he was super nice and thorough. We had a great back and forth. I thought I was going to hire him. But when he told me he was going to charge me $700 to contest my ticket, I started looking elsewhere and found out it averages between $200 to $300 in Washington state, at least. The price range to hire a lawyer really depends where you get your ticket. And they have to represent in the specific county too. So because I was in some small town outside of Olympic National Park, I had to find 
a lawyer that would go there. And a lot of the lawyers in Washington state are around Seattle, which is not very close. So that was another hurdle of calling around. Some people referred me to other lawyers. There's a lot of research involved. Well, I have good news because I can save you a ton of trouble. This whole episode could be summarized to one piece of advice. But if you know me at all, I am someone that speaks at length on things. So I'm sorry you've had to wait so long for my best tip, which is to check out this website called Off the Record. Now, this is not an ad for them, but I do have a referral link that I think gets you. They have a whole refer a friend thing in there. And let me see what this gets you. You'll get 10% off if you, or sorry, $10 off. I get $10 for referring you. You get $10 to take off of your ticket. And that's my transparency speech. I have no association with them beyond giving you my link, which is going to be in the show note description. And also I'll put it in the description underneath the podcast player. My little code is W. Lauritsen, my last name, W-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. And hey, might as well use it. I use somebody's link. I read a bunch of reviews and found somebody who was talking about their good experience with Off the Record. And I used their link to get $10 off myself. And that was awesome because to hire a lawyer through this website ended up costing me about $200. It was one of the lowest rates I saw. So what is Off the Record? It is a website that specializes in fighting your traffic tickets. And if you go on it, it's a really nice looking site. They have been featured on a bunch of publications. So it kind of makes you feel like they're legit. They have a ton of great reviews on all different websites that you can read. And then it just lays out what they do and why you should do it. So according to Off the Record, fighting or contesting your ticket keeps your driving record clean. It gives you peace of mind. You also don't have a blemish on your record that could impact you in a number of different reasons. It saves you money because every ticket on your record can lead to insurance premium increases. According to them, it says, on average, your premium will increase by $39 a month for three years. So how much? 39 times 36 is, whoa, $1,400. This is what I mean. I probably underestimated it. If my insurance premium went up $1,400 plus the $128 penalty of the speeding ticket, that I would have regretted it for three years. No. And apparently teenage drivers usually get hit the hardest with rate increases. And then there's impacts for CDL, commercial drivers. Apparently that impacts their jobs. Drivers with a clean record are more likely to be let go with a warning, even though that didn't work for me because I haven't had a ticket in many years. That, that didn't help me with that officer. But maybe that's why the officer brought my ticket infraction down for me, right? Anyways, plenty of reasons to consider contesting your ticket. And I had a phenomenal experience with Off the Record. I wish I had known about it. In that moment, I got the ticket. Again, this is another reason why I'm doing this episode to save you stress and time. If I had called up, I think I talked to a few people after my ticket, but if any of them had said, Hey, have you ever heard of Off the Record? I mean, I would have, it would have been a blessing. The only other site I found, my dad told me about it, is kind of similar site. I forget. It's called like don't pay it or something like that. It's another similar concept, but they don't specialize in speeding tickets. Basically, you can pay. I'll find out what this other site is. Maybe it's called, it's like don't pay. Now I need to know what it is. Oh yeah. Do not pay. So they call themselves the world's first robot lawyer and they help with a number of things. So this is a useful thing to know. It is an app that fights corporations, beats bureaucracy, and sues anyone at the press of them. I mean, they can help with all. It's actually kind of interesting. I guess after my experience with Off the Record, I might try Do Not Pay. And my dad is a lawyer. You think that would have helped me, but he doesn't specialize in, in traffic-related things. But he seemed interested in Do Not Pay. It sounded, I mean, for him to recommend something says a lot. Anyways, you can try them too. Basically, you pay and they give you like a letter to send to the court and different steps. Like it's not completely off the top of my head what they do, but I did look into them. 
off the record felt better because you get an actual lawyer versus I think do not pay is just basically helping you fight your own case. So back to off the record, you go on their site or you can use their app on your phone. You take a picture of your ticket and answer a few questions. It was really easy. Just like they say, you get an instant quote. Like right away, they say, based on what your ticket says, based on what you did, based on where the ticket happened, here's how much it'll cost. If you say yes, they match you with a lawyer who's based locally. And apparently they try to find the lawyer who's most likely to win your case. The reason I decided to go with them in addition to their awesome low cost of about $200 with the discount I had is that they say that they will fight your ticket and win or it's free. Okay. They have a guarantee. There are some fine print details. Depends on a lot of nuances. Let's see here. I guess the money back guarantee is only valid for civil or common traffic violations and is never valid for more serious charges. And this is all outlined when you get your estimate. And they there's a few other details here. So it's worth looking at. But I thought, you know what? My case seems to be pretty minimal. And they also outline what the possible outcomes are, which was helpful too. So the first one is a full dismissal. If you have a spotless record or if your ticket has errors or inconsistencies, as I mentioned, there's a good chance that your lawyer may be able to get your ticket completely dismissed. When this happens, you don't have to pay a fine and the ticket will never show up on your record. It's as if it never happened. So all you pay is the rate through off the record. They also have amended or reduced to non-moving violations, ticket points reduced, a deferral, which I thought, hey, I'd be up for that because Washington, I guess, is one of those states that has a deferral program, meaning that they'll turn a blind eye to the ticket if you don't get another one for a certain period of time. And deferred tickets also don't show up on your driving record. So if a lawyer can't get your ticket completely dismissed, they may try to get a deferral. And if you don't live in the state where you got the ticket, then you just avoid going there for (laughs) a certain period of time and then it'll be off your record. So I went in there, scanned my ticket, got assigned to a guy that looked pretty cool. The other thing I liked about it is once you're assigned to a lawyer, I believe you have 24 hours to ask for a different lawyer. So you can go in and research them. They give you their email address, their phone number, You can message them right away and they send you a letter of engagement to just outline what you're agreeing to. I went and looked up my lawyer and he was completely legit. I think off the record is kind of like a matchmaking service. Certainly you could do all the research like I did and call around. But I found that, A, it was actually kind of tough to find a lawyer who would represent in my area. Even after lots of Googling, lots of calling, I still only found a handful of them and I never came across this lawyer I ended up hiring through off the record. So he just might not be on social media, right? He could be a word of mouth person that I never would have found. So off the record saves time. I also don't know how that price is so low. I guess that was my one skepticism considering that the other lawyers were, again, the quotes I got like around 300 to that maximum of like $700. I was surprised I was able to get a seemingly good lawyer for $200. So off the record probably has a whole algorithm and figures out their whole system. Who knows? I still to this day don't know exactly how this all worked out. So it was incredibly easy. I barely communicated with the lawyer in a good way. He answered very promptly. Like you send a message through the system. I'm going back to our messaging. We just had a few back and forth. I started off by telling him the situation. He said he was happy to take care of the ticket. I did not have to appear in court. And he filed his paperwork within like 24 to 48 hours after I paid him. And he got everything going. And then I didn't hear from him. So the court date was like a month out after I paid for off the record. So there was a lot of waiting. A few weeks into it, I said, hey, have you filed the paperwork? I just want to confirm everything is going. He said, yep. He's just waiting for the hearing date to be set. And then that was a bit of a miscommunication because the hearing date actually was set when I contested the ticket. So another thing to know is if you want, and I probably would recommend this based on my experience, if you're going to use something like off the record or find another lawyer, you can have them contest your ticket. But I was stuck. Like I got into this state of 
stress, anxiety. I was still traveling for weeks after I got my ticket. I didn't have time to do any research. And it took me time to process it and think about it and weigh out all the options. Again, I wish that somebody I knew had gone through it and could advise me, but I didn't know anybody. Everybody I mentioned it to was like, oh yeah, that sucks. I've been through that and I paid it. But like, again, not a lot of people were knowledgeable about this option of contesting and hiring a lawyer. So by the time I finally rolled around to making a decision, it was time for me to return my ticket. And by the way, every ticket will have a deadline that you need to submit it by. Most of them are within a few weeks, so they don't give you much time. For someone like me, that sucks. But I found out by someone like me, I mean, A, I'm someone who takes a while to process and make decisions. And I also was traveling. So it was just a big inconvenience. But my specific court had an extension and they allowed you up to 30 days to return your ticket. Regardless, 30 days passed before I made a decision with a lawyer. So I sent in my ticket myself, clicked or checked off contest and got a court date before I even was assigned a lawyer. But my lawyer was able to just go into the system and figure out the court date information, file his paperwork and take care of it. So about a month passed. And let me tell you, it was an amazing day. The day of the hearing, I think my hearing was at like, I actually had the piece of paper on my desk earlier, but I moved it. It was like this kind of scary looking official yellow piece of paper that says, this is your court. It was like at October 20th at 12 p.m. And I knew that day was there. Like I could feel it energetically the whole morning. I'm just sitting there like counting down the minutes to when my trial happened and when I would hear from the lawyer. I don't remember exactly what time. Actually, I can probably pull this off just because I love details like this. For anyone else who can understand, I got an email from off the record and the email was at, well, this is in Pacific time. I think it was like, Yeah, it was less than two hours after my court date. The email from them said, Hey, Whitney, good news. I was able to get your ticket dismissed today and your matter is now closed. And then I got a second email confirmation from off the record and it just said, case dismissed and matter now closed. And let me tell you, that was such a great feeling. It was like a whole weight removed from me. And then on the website, it confirms again your ticket was completely dismissed. There's no fine to pay. The ticket will not appear in driver record and your insurance rates will not be affected. That easy. So to do the math, my ticket was $128. I paid $200 even. I did not have to pay that fine, like it said. And my insurance premium did not go up to whatever amount it would have been. I have no idea what that would have increased to. But it was wiped clean. And Again, to summarize, just to be able to send in a picture, be assigned a reputable lawyer, have a few back and forth, stay at home, have them do everything, and then to get that result back was awesome. Now, of course, this isn't guaranteed. That's why Off the Record has their guarantee offer, and they're very transparent. You can ask as many questions as you'd like. They have lots of details. They have a help section. Like It's really well laid out, and I felt like it was worth the risk. Because let's say I paid the $200 and for some reason they wouldn't refund it back to me. It was worth trying. I'm so glad that I did. It's so wonderful that it resulted. In fact, somewhere on their website, I think it says that off the record has like a 97% success rate, which sounds like I remember reading that. That actually like turned me off. I don't know if it's still on there. I don't see it on the website anymore. Maybe they took it off. Oh, no, it is right here. Oh, in Washington State. It says, we get a favorable outcome for our clients 97% of the time. Our national success rate is unmatched, and we're damn proud of that. You can go on the site. It explains all of these details that I told you here. I mean, it almost felt too good to be true. But now that I've been through it, I'm like, this is legit. This is awesome. And then my brain thinks, well how does this all, I don't know, just like looking at the grand scheme of the system with how much money the states make from these tickets, is it that they can just afford to dismiss cases if a lawyer comes in? Like, I wish I could have been there just to see, did my lawyer go in there and at all? Or did they just dismiss the case as soon as the lawyer got involved? 
does my lawyer go in there in the office and say like one sentence and the judge is like, yeah, fine, it's dismissed. Like, I wonder how many lawyers go in to do this. Like, I would just love a view of the whole system. If you know anyone that does this type of law or works as a judge in the courts, like, I'm so curious because if only 13% of people in Washington state contest tickets, is that because they're afraid they're not going to win? Like, what if they knew that this existed? What would happen? How would everything shift? All these philosophical questions I have. But the good story is, the good moral of the story is that you do have a fighting chance and you're not in this alone. That also gave me peace of mind having a lawyer because I felt like someone was on my side that was knowledgeable, that experienced, that they had my back. and. I'm not going to go speeding and try to get myself into this situation again. No way. (laughs) I mean, as I mentioned earlier, just being pulled over was enough for me to change my driving habits. And listen, if, if I think the system could change too, like what if more people just got warnings and said, hey, next time this happens, you're getting a ticket and these are the consequences. Like, I don't know, like maybe the whole system just needs to be changed I don't feel like I have the power to do that, but I have the power to educate people like you, to keep you informed, to share my story. I feel empowered after having gone through this and learned all these things. I feel more aware of why these things happen, I suppose, how it happens. We look at the financial side of it. We look at how many people don't bother fighting things. Like That in itself was such a big part of this for me is like, feeling empowered to fight a system that doesn't feel fair, that feels like I think a lot of our government is set up to do the best it can for the most amount of people. But on the other side, if you look at the numbers, is it set up in this case to take advantage of the most amount of people? Is it really about safety? Are these laws and rules actually working? These are the bigger questions here. And it's nice to know that you can fight against it in a way that's easy and relatively affordable and maybe just gives you some peace of mind. It did for me. I would have loved to avoid paying $200. (laughs) I'm not glad that I spent that money, period. I would have liked to have never gotten a speeding ticket, but it opened my eyes and I hope it was helpful for you and maybe other people in your life. So if you want to try it off the record, like I mentioned, I'll put my link there so you can get $10 off and throw $10 my way at no additional cost for you, but I'm just happy to spread the word about them. And as I mentioned, my link for Off the Record is in the show notes in the description. And let me know if you try it out. If I see that $10 commission or referral fee come in for me, I'm going to be wondering who used my code. Was it you? I'd like to know what the result of your case was. And if you have more information, I'd love to hear it too. So if you're looking to get in touch with me, if you have any follow-up questions, comments, anything, reach out. My email's on the website along with this link. So the website is wellevator.com, W-E-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Email's right there. Or you can reach out on social media like a lot of people do. I barely use Instagram these days except to send messages to people. So I'm trying to actually get back in the rhythm of Instagram for this podcast just to share all the amazing guests and the work that they do. But I go through phases where it looks like I never open it up, but I will open Instagram up to read a message from you and to try to get back to you as soon as possible. I have multiple Instagrams. You can find the Wellevator account and on other social media too. Whichever means works well for you. And let's talk about traffic tickets, speeding tickets, rules, laws, lawyers. I love all this stuff. And I would love to hear your experiences, knowledge, and perspectives. Thank you so much for listening. I'm wishing you all the very best. If you've listened to this episode because you got a speeding ticket, I hope this helped and know that you're not alone and there can be a positive outcome. I'll be back again this coming Friday with a guest episode. Let's see who's on the roster. Oh my gosh. Speaking of feeling good, this upcoming guest made me feel so uplifted just a wonderful human being that gave me peace of mind and tools to use during stressful times and actually could certainly apply this guest lessons to this episode because it can feel traumatic getting a ticket. So 
stay tuned for that episode. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back again in a few days. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to Wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.